Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and welcome to Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. This week, I chat to makeup artist turned TV presenter, Nadine Reed. We were standing outside the GPO, and that for me was so significant. It was so, I was like, now look at this. Look at this. This iconic building, iconic um, part of Irish history. We're all standing outside now and I can see all these Irish people, non-Irish people, white, black, all different, and everything in the middle um, out here standing for this cause. And it was encouraging. It really, really was. I was very encouraged by seeing that. I really, really was. I thought, oh gosh, well, there's hope. This many people can come out and stand for something that doesn't directly affect them, but still affects them. That's important. And to me, it was a really, it was a strong message for me to see that living as a minority in Ireland. Born to a Jamaican family, Nadine grew up in Hansworth, Birmingham. She came to live in Ireland four years ago and lives in Dublin with 94-year-old Minnie and the new addition to the household, Cockatiel Georgie. I asked her to be a guest on the podcast last summer as I've been a fan of hers since the moment we met and now seemed like the right time to talk. In this conversation, we discuss why privilege, how colour blindness isn't helpful and what it actually means to be anti-racist. She posted something on her Instagram page a few days ago that explains white privilege in very simple language. White privilege doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard. It means that your skin colour isn't one of the reasons making it harder. I'm aware that I'm flawed, that I'm a product of my own upbringing and social conditioning, as we all are. But I hope, like me, you'll listen to this episode with a willingness to explore yourself a little bit deeper. Here it is. I actually, um, I, I'm actually quite pedantic about who I speak to about certain serious topics, so... Um, from meeting you from a year ago now and mm. the small conversations we've had, I, I really sense that you have a level of authenticity and um, and you make me feel at ease. So thank you for that. And that's why I'm here. Well, that means a lot. But look, we're here having the chat today. Um, yeah. At the, uh, you know, with the backdrop of oh. human rights movement, Black Lives Matter, and it has real momentum now yeah. at well, the moment, George, right now. Today, today is the funeral of George Floyd, so it's quite specific and yes. relevant. So, you know, there's a lot of pain and mm. um, uh, and change happening at the moment. And sadly, in order to have change, 
pain is the biggest trigger of change. So yes. I think that's what's happening in the world at the moment. And uh, I really pray that we see the benefits of that in a positive, uh, in, a, in, a, in a real positive, productive way. That's yeah. my hope. That's my little Martin Luther King dream, you know. Emotions are running very high and rightly yeah. so and understandably so, because this didn't just happen last week or last month. This has been mm-hmm. happening for, for many generations. And I suppose while there have been movements, while there have been periods in history where people have, have stood up, um, but there feels like, and I, I hope it really does, um, I hope the momentum keeps going. I hope um, the message is translated to each and every one of us that it's not about an us and them kind of a conversation. It's an everyone conversation. It impacts everyone and all our lives. I agree. Um, and I think, you know, I know you're very mindful of, of who you have these conversations with. And I'm, you know, I'm just very grateful for you, to you for, for, for agreeing to have this one. Um, so before before we get we get into discussing race, you know, white privilege and the part we can all play in this. Um, can you give us uh, a bit of a sense of of life right now. I know, like all of us, the last three months have been spent <laughs> at home, effectively. Yeah. Um, you live with the gorgeous Minnie. I do. I do. Well, my life has changed dramatically in the last year because I moved to Ireland in 2016. And when I came over, I lived with friends. And then, you know, I lived with somebody else. And then I moved here and I moved there. So I lived, I've lived in about seven locations in four years. Like, that's a lot. And it is a lot. And rent is expensive. I'm pursuing my dreams of building this life that I really want. And it does come at a cost. But I have um, let go of my... um, cool loft apartment (laughs) single girl life (laughs) you know renting so I can actually knuckle down save some money um pursue my career in the way I want to make the choices I have without the financial burden of finding a grand a month just to pay the rent you know Mm. and so I found out about this scheme called elder home share and you get significantly reduced rent and you share a home with an elderly person so I was teamed with Minnie because this is what made me laugh because she used to be a dancer so she used to be she used to dance at the Olympia Theatre um literally through the war so she was this sort of dancer in a troupe in the 1940s and because of her experience and for me working in the media they sort of thought oh maybe these two will get on and um and then we were matched up and we actually do like she had she's she's we have the crack she's a strong-minded person and um we get on so if you imagine it's simply her home it's the house she lived in where she had her children her husband Mm -hmm. Brendan sadly passed away 21 years ago um this is her home she's been here for nearly 70 years her children have moved out they have their own children and she wants to be in her home her family see her every day like the door doesn't stop but at night she likes to feel safe she likes to feel someone else in the house and that's why she took part of this scheme and she loves a chat. So obviously I'm like, mini cup of tea. Do you know, I'm almost like, okay, Mina, I have to go to work now. All right. <laughs> okay. Right, right. And she's like, I'll wait till I tell you. Funny mm. story. Do you know what I mean? Now, someone like me, yeah. I find that entertaining. And I've really learned to take lessons from living with somebody elderly because I was very lucky to spend a good bit of time growing up with my grandmother. And I loved her. I had a special bond with my grandmother, probably more special than my mom. Sorry, mom, love you. It's, it's, I find there's something easier to connect with. Maybe there's less boundaries, less, less uh, expectations, whatever it is. Um, I really connected with my grandmother growing up, and she's a very important person in my life. And uh, so I think to live with Minnie, it just feels like, oh, this is just someone else's grandmother. That's really cool. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's actually really easy. She's the easiest sort of flatmate, if you use that term to live with <laughs> because she's yeah. cup of tea she's grand little chat cake do you know it's quite easy and it's not like a commitment I'm not her carer I'm not here to sort of give her medicine and uh you know I don't know things like that I'm here literally for a bit of company it is bizarre because I've moved from Birmingham you know uh, where I'm surrounded by all my family and friends I've known my whole life to then being in sort of somebody else's family it's kind of weird but it works 
Um, so I'm, I, I'm almost becoming this extension of Vinny's family now. And she's got so many. <laughs> she only had three kids, but yet she has like 24 great grand grand and great grandchildren oh wonderful yes so these all these people are now uh, kind of connecting into my life now and i feel like i'm becoming part of their lives and it's it's it's, it's kind of special it's there is there is a beauty in it which will probably make more sense and understand deeply as time goes by but at the moment it it just works and i hope when if i was a mini or when i become a mini if i was 94 i hope there'd be someone like me like nads that could uh you know, just have the crack live their life and just share their little stories in between on both sides. She looks like, like, I'll tell her about your podcast. Do you know? It's just so interesting yeah. to watch someone go, Minnie, I'm going to go on a podcast. Oh, very good. Do you know this kind of, and then it's like, what is a podcast? <laughs> like, yeah, it's like of course. A radio, but it's not on a live, but you can listen to it any time. And do you know, these are really uh, interesting conversations. So, mm. um, yeah, so that is my life now. So I'm still nipping away pushing forward in my media goals. I mean, during the COVID, I'm sure you feel the same, Sheila. You, you sort of, you readdress every corner of your mind life. As you reassess everything and you sort of look at all the corners, you're like, okay, what do I really want to do? What did I enjoy the most? What can I do next? Where can I take this? What can I learn from it? So like most people, I've spent a lot of time having those conversations, jotting things down, making decisions. And I'm actually really grateful for it, to be honest. I, um, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's then it's a shame that we've gone from, you know, this pandemic that was killing killing us, you know, the world, to then on uh, relifting and sort of feeling re-triggered by the pandemic of racism and. And that has been tough. It, it has been really difficult. So when we spoke last week about having this conversation. Um, I was really interested by your perspective because you were which I thought was a very healthy thing. You were setting your own boundary in place, which was, yes, I'm open to speaking to you, but not until you come to the table, having listened, having read, having opened your mind a bit more to seeing my point of view or where we're coming from. And I, I'm so glad that you did that because I think as a result, I'm hoping this conversation might be slightly more comprehensive than it may have been had I not done that. Oh, um, Brilliant. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a really, really good thing. But, you know, okay. you, you spoke about two books and I had downloaded one of them already, but I hadn't listened to it. And I have and I've been dipping in and out of them and and re-listening to chapters because I feel like there's a there's actually a lot to take in. And oh, also a there's a sense. Yeah, yeah a there's a lot. And, and I, I kind of feel like, how have I been so clueless? How have I been so unaware and I I would like to think of myself as somebody who is open-minded who is you know an open-minded person can still live in a world of white privilege yes you can still be a good person and have white privilege you can still do great things I think it's just once you're aware then everything changes it's that awareness and you i i hope and it sounds like you will and many many people that live under the kind of white privilege category i think they'll be changed now because they've gone oh my Mm. god i didn't realize maybe i should be more aware maybe i should find do you know and that that's the that's when the magic begins i think the books that you recommended that i read uh, the first one is why i'm no longer talking to white people about race by rennie edo lodge and the other one was me and White Supremacy by Leila F. Saad. Um, and they're eye-opening. They're truly eye-opening. And um, and I appreciate the recommendation. Yeah. Um, the second one is um, Leila. She is that book, I think, to be honest. I feel like Why I'm Not Talking to White People is a great uh, basis for racism, mm-hmm. the history of it, what things mean. But Leila's book is perfect to help teach you to become better, to do yeah. better, to understand it. And she really triggers you to ask certain questions of yourself, which, so I, I like those two. I think for an, for adults, they're, they're brilliant, really good. Yeah. And you probably know this about me and, and people listening may or may not be aware. I have been, I've been doing work on myself for years because I know that it's important for my own, number one, my own sense of well-being mm-hmm. and wellness. And then brilliant. as a result, if it can, if it can have a domino effect in my life in terms of, of the people I live with, the people I interact with, 
isn't that a good thing? And I, I, I know it's, it's, it's for me, it's been absolutely vital in my own life um, to really, you know, turn the light inward and actually examine our own behaviours. And something that I feel, and it's making me question situations I've been in, interactions I've had with people, not just about race, but about other areas where you feel like you're, you're, um, you have come up against a wall of, defiance and I'm not going there. And it can happen in various aspects or on various topics where you're scratching your head going, why are they not even open to having this discussion? You know, and, and I, I've probably been guilty of it myself. We get conditioned to our own viewpoint, our own what feels in a vertical is right for us. And sometimes yeah. we can be very reluctant to actually open our ears and open our minds and open our hearts, which is the most important to yeah. seeing somebody else's point of view. But yeah, but then also I haven't spent a lot of time um, on certain areas to do with race or diversity or kind of ch championing, championing these topics myself over the last three years because I've been trying to survive. Like all yeah. my tools and, and, and resources have been surviving um, finding my place in this in a new country, uh, uh, having a roof over my head, being happy, healing from past pains, whatever they are. So sure. as much as I believe we should all do the work, I think doing this work, that's the, you know, the phrase, you, you still have to have certain things in your life in a certain place for you to have that mental time because it does take up a lot of mental time. Do you kind of know what I mean? So I think mm, we should still be um, gentle with ourselves as we learn all these new things and evolve as people. Yes, it needs to be done. Yes, definitely. But, it, you know, I don't, I, I, I feel like after George Floyd's death, every white person I knew was like, I'm going, I'm reading everything immediately. What can I do? Oh my God, don't carry that bag. I'll carry it for you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's kind of like this, it's this knee jerk reaction to, oh my God, it's terrible. We must do something immediately. And this is like a lifetime of work that needs to be done. I, I don't think we can click our fingers and then everyone's um, not racist or anti-racism is, is out there now. It's, it's time. It's, understanding we don't always even download those lessons straight away it might hit yeah. you down the line you might see something else do something else hear your child say something else and then you know and then we're triggered to to understand that part it's it's you know so what would i say to anybody listening who is white or what do they say fall under the white privilege umbrella um take pace yourself with this you know pace yourself with with the things that you you're learning and um i don't i also don't think white people should feel the um what's the word the guilt of what previous your previous ancestors have behaved i don't think that's a guilt you should feel however i think it's your it's your it's a priority and it's crucial that you understand that and then like you're doing learn learn information and topics that on learn on on learn yeah on learn and learn mm. so you can do better with the information that you have now it's that Amira Angelou you know once you know better you do better, better. Yeah. so that's what I think as well because I've been feeling a lot of oh my god I just feel so bad oh my god this thing you know this happened I'm like well as terrible as it is, you know, you did not kill George Floyd. Do you know? You you are not that police officer. However, system understanding what systematic racism is is and the microaggressions that can impact our world, your child, you know, our friends and family. That's the part that we can be a part of. So we never climb up that that pyramid of white supremacy and get back to lynching and all that. There's the things at the bottom, the bottom of that layer that we can do, which I find is the most, um, they would have the most impact on my life, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. And you're right. I, I, no, no, I'm, no, I'm so glad. And I'm getting a lot from what you're saying. And I think, 
um, like all things, I think to activate real lasting change, if you come from a place and I, and I appreciate, actually, I don't really appreciate because I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to have, to have lived with simply by the nature of the color of my skin. But I do appreciate that feelings of guilt or frustration, anger, while they are a motivating force, I do question whether they are the right, uh, um, force to be to be driven by to be powered by um, and mm. I think it's probably a time for for me as a white woman I feel it's a time for me to be humble it's a time for me to read to listen to question and and more importantly not just to do those things but then to act accordingly and as you said I mean mm. I'm a mom I'm a mom to a little boy mm. who is at the early stages of his hopefully very long life and it is my responsibility now to um, do better for him yeah. so that he doesn't have to at 41 start reading books <laughs> that go what the fuck how did I not know this how did I know this do you know what I mean like yeah. I, I mean I'm probably painting myself as quite green but I, I'm just being truthful mm. I did find that you know I'm feeling like you know because there's a, there's a big difference. You know, I, I've had this discussion with people where they say, no, 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 I'm not racist. Sure, I'm non-racist. And the, now I'm starting to understand the difference between um, that the opposite of racist is not to be a non-racist, it's to be anti-racist, as you just said. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's so big. That's so big. And because... how do you become anti-racist? How do you show anti-racist things? You know, it's kind of this new concept that, you know, if more people understood that, like, um, what did I say online? Somebody posted something. I follow a lot of these groups to do with books and education and children's, from children's books to adult books. And there's something about how to raise anti-racist children. <laughs> you know, really American. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, does your, um, look at the dolls and toys that your child has. Look at the books that you have. Is this only project- projecting one type of person as the hero you know Mm. there's a reason why the black panther marvel film was like the best you know most watched most uh you know most popular grossing film of Mm. this century i believe whatever the stats are there's a reason for that there's a reason people were gagging to see alternative heroes people are gagging to see heroes that look like them you know and um it's important for uh all children to see themselves as heroes Sheila to be honest I'm so grateful I mean a lot of this has brought up uh, me thinking about my upbringing which at the time you don't understand but my house is bombarded with Maya Angelou quotes, um, pictures of gorgeous African women, Caribbean mm. women, headscarves, colour. Like I was really taught to love and um, see the strength in my culture and my past. Mm. Do you see? But I sometimes feel, and then I meet when I moved to Ireland and I've spoken to various people, black of black skin, to different types of skin and cultures. And I sometimes realise because if you're born black, but then you're can't you're you're always the minority, and maybe your parents don't have that um, awareness that my family did, you might miss that. And if you miss that, and you miss that strength in yourself, life is going to be hard. Like I moved to Ireland as an adult. I was thirty. What was I? Thirty-eight when I moved here. Thirty-seven. Mm-hmm. So do you know what I mean? It's, you know, I've already got my strength. I've already learned certain qualities. But if I was a child growing up in Ireland, I wonder how, how that life would be, you know? Yes. And, I, and I really uh, sympathize and want to show um, love and understanding. And I think anyone in Ireland that knows a child that is of biracial heritage, even that, I was talking to somebody, they says, oh, you know, half caste. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's outdated. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone listening, I think you're better off saying mixed race or biracial if you're describing somebody that is mixed with, you know, uh, white and not white uh, uh, culture. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, how are they growing up? When a child is like, oh, I want to be a princess. Is there a crown that can fit on her afro? Do you know, do you know what I mean? Little yeah. things like that. It's the small things. And as you grow up, you realise, oh, my gosh. 
it's it's different for me. And there was one story, like before you called me, I was like, oh gosh, there's one story I have to say. I'm like, I'll tell one sad story, okay? <laughs> when my, I was raised in um, the city in Handsworth in Birmingham, and it's a really, um, anyone who knows the area, really sort of mixed area. You know, there's black people, loads of Asian, Indian, Pakistani people, Irish people. It's it's, it's a really mixed city. And then... Um, I grew up when I was about nine, my mom bought a house and then we moved to sort of the nicer area, which was a more white area. So we were the only black people on, in our, on our road. Now, little thing. So my uncle's got me, my mom got me a bike. My uncle's taught me to ride my bike and the little girl across the street, I used to have loads of friends, you know, and I was, there's a little girl like, Oh gosh, she's got a bike. Mom, can I go and ride my bike with that little girl? She's like, okay, just round the block. So I'm nine years old. And I'm like, hello, can I ride my bike? And she's like, yeah, okay. So we rode the bike or whatever. And then her friend came, her white friend, and she was just like, bye. She literally, that little girl never rode her bike with me again. It's like, I remember, I didn't understand it, but I remember her friend sort of looking at her or saying something to her, like, how can you ride your bike with that girl? And she never rode a bike with me, ever. Lived on the same road for like 20 years. What the hell? Do you know? And when that happened, I didn't have the words. I didn't have the understanding of what, of why that was. Do you know? I didn't say anything to my mother, hoping my mother would go and say, excuse me, is there a reason why your daughter won't ride a bike with my daughter? You know, it's, it's so weird. But when I look at it now, I'm like, as parents, we shouldn't allow that. No, we, we shouldn't, shouldn't allow that. And I, you know, I, I wonder if that was to happen now, what would those parents do? But then, is that because my my mom and her mom didn't know each other? Maybe when they walked past each other in the street, they never said hi. They never said, oh, welcome to the neighbourhood, da-da-da, or whatever. Do you see, if, if the parents have a some kind of relationship and understanding and see it as okay, maybe the children will. And I think that's really important to me as well. And that's my first kind of memory I remember of uh, something racist. And the first girl that rode her bike with me, I don't mm. think she was racist. I just think she didn't want to do what her friend did. Do you see what I mean? She wasn't and strong enough to speak and she was so young herself, and yet she felt it. She yeah. knew it. Yeah. She felt it, and she was like, oh, God, well, I better just do what that friend said, because I don't really know that girl. She's the new girl. What does she, you, you see? It's weird. It's a weird thing, and I, 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 uh, I, I that's my first memory of, uh, uh, I can't, and I, I do believe it was because of how I looked as why that happened. I really actually do. I had plaits in my hair, braids and stuff. She had a bow, do you know, a bow with her hair, more straight hair. You know, when you're young little kids, they do notice those those simple, small differences. And if they don't, they're not taught how to understand it and just say, oh, she's just a little girl. She's just has her hair like this and you have your hair, like, you know, it, it then becomes this thing that's different. And, um, and I think that's those are the moments that I think we can change now immediately. Yeah, by 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 speaking up, there is a huge responsibility amongst the entire population of the world to stand up collectively, because mm. the more we do it, well, number one, the easier it'll get. Because, and it's something that, regardless of whether we're talking about race or we're talking about many situations that we hear about where how many times do we hear about an atrocity happening or are or, or somebody getting away with misbehaving over and over and over and that potentially there were those who knew but what did they do they turned the other way or they stayed quiet or they said nothing and while i do appreciate and trust me i do we all have to set our own boundaries we all have to mind our own energy there are times for retreat there are times for minding but there's also time to stand up there's a time to ask yourself, is this what I want? Does this feel right for me? Because I think it's fair to say, and I know I've had it. I've been in situations where my body is communicating to me that I am uncomfortable about a situation. So it could be something like I'm in the company of people who are having a bitching session. Now, I'm no angel. Yeah. I am no angel. I'm not saying that I've never said anything bad about anyone in my life. I am not saying that. But there are times when you feel, OK, I can feel the toxic energy rise here. There's a there's an almost a sense of we're getting swept up in this and it has an energy of its own and there might be laughter there might be jokes and if you are the one to stand up and say I don't like this what what potentially is the outcome 
you could be ridiculed. You could be made feel like you're not part of the group or you might be feel like made feel like a troublemaker who wants to, um, you know, go against the grain. And then sometimes it's easier to simply get up from the table and leave. And I've done that. I've done that where I've had to step away, take a breath and, and, and go, what do I do here? And there are times when I've said something and anyone who really knows me knows that I'm quite, um, I can be quite reactive as a person. That's something I'm working on and I will always be working on because I have a bit of a temper. Um, and I tend to, if I feel like someone is being treated badly or there's something that doesn't feel right for me, I, I'm usually comfortable saying, I don't agree with that. But sometimes it can it can invite a shitstorm. And sometimes we're able for that shitstorm and sometimes sometimes I'm not. But I do mm. think that... It's it's what I find from what I'm reading and what I'm hearing is it's it's allowing me question not just the the and, and it, it, this is why the focus is on race and it needs to be and it absolutely needs to be and I'm not trying to dilute it but what it's making me think of is the all the other situations in life where our 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 body is telling us or our mind is telling us or our heart is telling us this is not right and we say nothing and the saying nothing is very damaging and we it all is. need to start. So, was it yeah. silence is what that's the saying white silence isn't it yeah white silence it's, 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's serious yeah you're right you're right like you i will avoid certain conversations as well because i'm like there's no point i'm just going to be told get another drink and calm down <laughs> so i won't have certain conversations but also certain conversations I have confidently had, it's been difficult, but I have had them as well. So I, I, like you, I choose my battles. I'm like, okay, well, what can I speak about? There was a time when the N word was used on a TV show, which I wasn't happy about. And I was really confident and proud of myself that I contacted the producer, spoke to them about it. You know, we had a conversation and um, they actually said at the end, you know what? If I was going to do this again, I wouldn't keep that word in. And I was delighted. I thought that's a little moment, but it took for me to contact them to speak about it. Other little things that are frustrating, which I would love to change. And I'm hoping Mm -hmm. after this, it does. So all my work in TV, and it's obviously not as extensive as yours, my darling. Mine's just, what, two years? Mm -hmm. Um, I Luckily for me, I've come from a a place of... uh, my career was makeup artist Mm -hmm. because if I didn't, I wouldn't be confident that all the makeup artists that are available to do your makeup for, you know, live shows or recorded, would be able to do my, my, my makeup as lovely as they would, you know, the other white Irish women that I'd be working with. Imagine. And my hair, Gosh, let's not even go there. Let's not even go there when it comes to hair. So um, I have learned or found my own. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... 
you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Teams that can confidently do makeup and hair because the TV, the media is not ready for that in this country. Now, to a point, I can understand it because I would be faced with, oh gosh, we've never had to think about that before. Do you see? If you hire a black woman to work on your TV show, then you'd think you'd have all the resources available to her that you would for all the other presenters. Do you know? But the fact that it's not even thought of, yeah, it's not it's considered. And it's not like, oh, from a bad place. It's it's And, and this is the type of thing that um, the kind of conversations I have with when I've done TV work, lighting, oh, we've never had to, yeah, that was a struggle for us. We've never, it's hard to light the two of you, you know? And you're like, guys, do some work. I watch American TV all the time. It looks absolutely clear and gorgeous. Yes. <laughs> there is ways to do this. There is ways to do this. So little things like that is my, uh, is this the type of systematic, uh, is it classed as racism? It can be to a point. Mm. It can be the lower end of it. It's because you're not seeing it as important. And then sometimes it's that colorblind thing as well. Maybe because I'm a bit of a joker and I will have a laugh, you know, it's that, oh God, I don't really see your color. You know, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But you need to, because because of my color, I need set lighting if I'm working in TV. Because of my color, I'm black, my Afro hair reacts differently to certain lighting or, you know, these, you know, we do have to be aware. So it's not that, not seeing colour. As much as I like people to see me as the person I am, I do. I just like that people can see that the Nadine that you have to laugh with and all that, she's still a black Jamaican woman in Ireland. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. still a part of who I am. And I'm happy for people to see that and talk about that. I've got no problem at all. I think it's lovely. But um yeah, I don't know. These are all the type of things that have been coming into my head as well as I read stories about racism all over the world. Um, Ireland has been really, I always feel very welcomed in Ireland. That's my overall feel. But like Mm. I said, I've moved to Ireland as an adult. And also I have the privilege of speaking in an English accent. There's just something else which is interesting. I'm not sure if you're ready for this one, Sheila, but I've Mm. got a really good friend of mine from Nigeria and Mm. she moved off to Ireland about six years ago her accent is still really strong, Nigerian accent. She's gorgeous. She works in fashion. Um, but she said, to, she mem- I remember saying to her, gosh, you'd be so good doing this on TV or this in the media. And she's like, what? Do you think they want to hear my voice? Because they don't want to hear my voice. Bro. I was like, you're black. I'm black. And she's like, I'm on. Why couldn't you? And she goes, listen to how you speak. And I went, oh, my gosh. And I realize again because I step into Ireland with an English accent, mm. I'm not saying I get away with murder because of it, but I now am realizing I think a lot more doors have been opened to me because of that. Yeah. Do you see? So it's so yeah, many layers. So many so layers. layers. So many layers. So many layers. I have cousins with strong Jamaican accents. I'm not sure if they would have been presenters on Expose unless they were talking about Jamaica on that segment <laughs> do you know what I mean it's, got yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so interesting I've had to look at myself as well and um, um, I'm learning more about direct provision what on earth is going on there I can't mm-hmm. I, I feel a bit like uh, what I feel a bit like I can't believe it maybe how white people feel when they see racism to that level that we've seen recently when mm-hmm. I see what's happening in direct provision I'm like what huh are you serious? Yeah. You're told six months and you're there for 10 years? What? You can't even work? What? Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm still in a place where I'm like, God, what can I do to help with this? What can I do? Because this can't go on. I don't feel comfortable living in a world where people living, are fleeing from their trauma and then living in another version of trauma. It's weird. 
Yeah. I can't, it's, it's, you know, but um, now that's me. That's my, um, my place, I guess, in all of this. But then you know what as well, Sheila, I just hope like when people listen to your podcast and hopefully you will trigger, inspire more people to do things that people can feel comfortable saying black. Nadine is a black woman. It's okay to say that. It's no longer a derogatory, hurtful word. It's important to say that. Never say the M word, please, dear God, never, ever. Don't say half cast. I take offence to that. I'm from a very mixed family. You know, a lot of my family have married, you know, I have white uncles sort of thing. They've married um, a white family that have married white people or different races. So it's half cast. Please don't say that as well. It suggests that you're half, that you're the whole um, biracial, mixed race. That's, that's, that's fine. Now, what you might find is in Ireland is a lot of people just to get through life, they'll go, oh, that's grand. I just I just don't say anything. They say these things. But now it's time, for, you know, it's not grand. It's not grand. So let, let's do those small things that can help. And anything people can do, like you said, to show that they are anti-racist. I'm liking that phrase now. <laughs> anything you need to show that you're not is important. And it's also seen. It's one of those things, you know, like I find people saying, Nadine, I see you, I hear you. When someone shows that they're anti-racist, I see that, I hear that, I feel that. And it, it's it's like a little bit of hope. It's like a little light that adds to me that makes me go, okay, should be all right then. The hope is working. <laughs> you know, it's really, yeah. really important. So like little things to do with Asian culture, Indian culture. Why do they have to wear those things, you know, they wrap their heads up? Maybe it's time you learned about what a mask is. Do you know, someone in a headscarf mm-hmm. is not a terrorist. Maybe we need to learn about these different faiths. Maybe we need to understand them a bit more. Yes. Um, you know, and open up the gate a little bit. If there's a black kid in your school or Indian or whatever, it, like have the chats with them. Talk to their family. You know, if you're both waiting at the school gate, have a conversation. But anyway. Absolutely. One t- day. One day. One day. But you know what? Every day at the moment feels like a, a- you know a big leap in terms of where we were um a few weeks or months ago um so i suppose it's about keeping the momentum going and and hoping that you know um a calm united committed not just as you said a knee-jerk reaction of you know we just post on instagram now and we and i was guilty of it myself it was outpouring and you know we were posting the black box image on on instagram which is fine it is fine but it's It's like what do you do now what do you do with your white privilege you can use your white privilege in such good ways it's not like a bad thing i think sometimes people hear the word white privilege and think oh does that mean i'm racist no it just means you have a privilege i have a privilege by being black and speaking english that is Mm -hmm. a privilege it opens I, i have slightly easier access to certain places that somebody black that had maybe just come to ireland with a strong accent doesn't have Yes. You see, it's it's and and I would not never recognise that privilege until I moved here, because when I'm in England, I feel like I they see me as black first before, um, the the born in England thing. Sure, it's weird. So Ireland are in a different place, I think, on the racism level, if there is levels, it's a mm. different place, and I think it's a place that the work can be done, because Irish people seem seem in my experience to be more open to learning Irish people have obviously suffered their own horrors over the years historically and um Mm. you know you guys have a certain level of, of of empathy I have experienced because of that and what I would say is use that Use that as your level to connect with, you know, whatever it is. Looking at the term anti-racist again, I yes, think for me, I'm wondering, have I not heard this before? Was I not aware? Um, you know, I feel like I now have, have a good sense of what that means. And it feels like, well, yeah, of course I'm anti-racist. But it feels like I'm only starting to learn about it as a term. And I wonder... Is the reason certain people are struggling with even accepting that it exists or should exist, um, is is it because it requires, I think it requires vulnerability from each and every one of us to, number one, accept that while we may not 
think of ourselves as being racist mm -hmm. simply by existing and living with white privilege and 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 the structural racism that you've already mentioned there that we exist in until we start to accept that that is there um Ooh. we can't maybe maybe start to embrace the concept of anti-racist um and that it yeah. is is an opportunity and i think we're all being called on to 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 step up and not everybody will not everybody wants to but the more people that do and that potentially activate conversation that makes people think hopefully it's a good yeah. thing because you know you did talk about color blindness and i i found that really interesting yeah. because I think as you said yeah we have been maybe um afraid i think sometimes maybe i can only speak from my own perspective but sometimes i'm afraid of putting my foot in it or for causing harm so um there's this fear of of not pointing out the color of somebody's skin but actually saying that you don't see color and that you know you don't see everybody the same that is very damaging in itself too mm, it's not it's not showing anti-racism it's not showing anti-racism no yes. i've got a really good friend of mine and she said to me nadine i just don't see you know i just see as nadine and we had to have a good conversation i was like no you have to that's like me looking at you and saying i don't see that you're irish uh -huh. And that's when she went, oh, oh God, but I am, you know, and I was like, well, there you go, sweetheart. It's, this is important. It's a part of my identity. It's part of who I am. Just, and by saying you don't see it, you, you're almost admitting that some people would see it as a negative. That's yeah. basically almost what you're saying. You say, you're basically saying, well, I'm not one of those people that sees your color as a negative. I don't see it as a negative, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, but it's still part of who I am. I am happy that uh, more people are sort of going oh let's talk about race okay oh my, what's my but I just say to all those people like what's your personal relationship with the black people in your lives you know uh, look at yourself first yes it's terrible donate sign the petitions all, all that stuff but what are you doing in your small in your small space that's what I think is the most important. And that's why when I go back to work, I will have certain conversations like, come on, lads, maybe we don't need five blonde people presenting whatever. Maybe mm -hmm. you could have someone in a wheelchair. Do you know the traveling mm -hmm. community? Come on. Do you know this is like so it, it, there's so much more we can do, but it has to start with us in our in our homes. I'd like people to just breathe and just you know go okay this is a bit weird but do you like to be called black Nadine is that do you think that's the right thing for me to say like it's okay just just read through it two human beings having a conversation to hopefully make you know our our time in this world a little easier mm. a lot easier I don't know, that's kind of where, where I'm at. And yeah. hopefully but the I, next generation will be a step on again and a, and a big step of that. I hope so, because the young people are so woke these days, like they're standing up for everything. I love it. I love it, whereas I would have been a bit shy to do that because, you know, because of my reasons. I saw a lot of destruction and um, violence and riots growing up in Birmingham. So... I would be, I, I barely didn't go to that first protest. I was like, oh my God, will I go? Oh my God, what's going to happen? If something happens, it'll be me, they'll get, oh my God, oh my God. Like, it's a lot to take in. Whereas um, uh, now the younger people growing, they're like, no, I, 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 I want to do this. I want to stand for this. I want to. Whereas I'd just be, I want to, but I'm afraid. <laughs> um, so that's a whole different thing again. So, yeah. Can I talk about last week and being at the protest and because yeah. I followed I followed your stories on Instagram and uh, I, maybe just to get a sense for those listening, what it was like to be there, but also, I suppose, how you felt afterwards, because I got the feeling that it mm. took a lot out of you. Oh, my gosh, it was a you know, mentally draining experience, but so valuable. Well, mm -hmm. the first thing that I did, I went with my friend Trudy Hayes and um, she's white Irish and I said to her before we went, I said, look, I've, I've asked one of my friends for advice on this because I've never been to a protest before. And she said to me, Nadine, wear your gloves, wear your mask, keep your distance. And then, then she said, be weary of your strong white liberal friends. <laughs> uh -huh. 
She said, be weary of them. I was like, what do you mean? And she said, because there's going to be the group of white people that, like you said, they're so angry, they're so upset, they want justice, and they can be more, they can provoke, they can provoke people more, right? And if something is provoked and things kick off and escalate or whatever, I'm the person that people will see. Do you see? I'm Mm -hmm. the person that could potentially fall into the middle of of any sort of drama. So I I said to Drew, I said, look, things kick off or anything gets bad because, honey, I'm I'm gone, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm gone. I will see you out there, yeah? And um, she laughed and put her fist in the air, you know? Of course, she's like, yeah, yeah. Um, But Mm -hmm. on a a serious level, um, the protest was really touching. It was touching because... It was a good 70% white people out there walking. And when you're walking around thousands of people and they're literally shouting at you, Black Lives Matter, <laughs> mm. it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. I was a bit like, oh, my God. All these white Irish people are, like, shouting Black Lives Matter, okay? They're talking about me, I guess. Oh, okay. Black Lives Matter. It was it, it was such a um, surreal, surreal experience. Yeah, the part that had my me crying the most was um, when the guy chanted, "Say his name," and then we all responded, "George Floyd." And you just think, Jesus, he was a man. He was a person. He was this. He was, he was his father. Uh, nobody deserves in 2020. My gosh, no one deserves to go that way. That was very, very painful. And as we walked from O'Connell um, Street down to Balls Bridge, at one point when we were waiting to leave while the, the guards were navigating us and everything, we were standing outside the GPO. And that for me was so significant. It was so, I was like, now look at this. Look at this. This iconic building iconic um part of irish history we're all standing outside now and i can see all these irish people non-irish people white black all different and everything in the middle um out here standing for this cause and it was encouraging it really really was i was very encouraged by seeing that i really really was i thought oh gosh well there's hope this many people can come out and stand for something that doesn't directly affect them, but still affects them. That's important. And to me, it was a really, it was a strong message for me to see that living as a minority in Ireland. It was a strong message. And and I, I love that. And it was really good. And everyone was in good form, walking. And they actually were keeping their distance to a point, I have to say. I was quite impressed. Um, and then when I came home, I realised that I, I've been carrying around fears of protests because of the Hansworth riots in 19... God, what was that? 88? Like, I was a baby then. But the mm. the, the stories that you heard from them, the, the racism, the behaviour, oh, I remember this, and terrible. Like, it was horrific. Like, the signs that people say, you know, growing up, you'd see things defaced with graffiti, with all sorts of words that you, you'd you never say. You'd never say. And mm. I think not a lot of Irish people would even use those words. They're that bad. Um, so I have an absolute fear of any group, mass group of people anyway because of that. Um, so to experience a peaceful protest was beautiful. I was really, really grateful that it was so peaceful and... Um, and yeah, people's minds were opened. It was a uh, well, do- well done, Ireland. Like I came home, I was like, well done, Ireland. Yes, there's a long way to go. Yes, there's work to be done. Yes, we start from ourselves, but it's still a great, hopeful example of the uh, the development of Ireland. And let's be honest, it's going to get more mixed. It's going to get more mixed. Look at you just walk into town in 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 a, a student, you know, during the education season or whatever. And um, if you just listen, you take your headphones off and listen, you'll hear Portuguese people speaking, Polish, uh, Korean, Chinese, you know, and a lot of those students, if they like it here, 
they're going to stay. They're going to get work in Ireland. You know, they're not just here just for studying. Yes. And that, again, big part of the economy, it's important. So um, Ireland's going to get more and more mixed. So I say, let's get ready for it now. <laughs> let's find out the right questions. What do you call somebody from Brazil? How, what food do they eat? You know, uh, you know, there's the, the biggest, the biggest immigration group in Ireland, from what I saw from the last census, is Polish. Mm-hmm. How many Polish people do people know? Do you know anything about Poland? What do they eat? What do they do? <laughs> Where do they go? Yeah. What's happening? Like, it's, let's educate ourselves. Um, so mm-hmm. these conversations are easier, and they're they're not as uncomfortable. It's the uncomfortableness that I think stops people from talking about all of this because they're like oh like you said scared i'm gonna get it wrong so then we don't do anything do you know then this thing grows and grows and grows i don't know sheila look let's just hope all of this will lead to good things but i think it is like you just doing this podcast is it's it's all leaning towards good things and yeah people learn lessons at different times i hope this gives everyone a good kick up the arse to um, to maybe learn things now. I've had loads of positive feedback from people online saying, oh my gosh, I never knew, I never thought, I didn't realise. I'm just sitting here living my life here and never experienced racism, so didn't really see it. you know. Or they think, oh, that just happens over there or that country. or um, So a lot of people are being more aware and now we just need to keep those conversations going. And in any environment you're in, if you're a teacher, nurse, um whatever whatever industry you're in it's by just looking around you and saying gosh are we showing that we're anti-racist right now maybe not doesn't mean you are racist but are we showing we're anti-racist are we inclusive you know would somebody from a different place feel welcome and comfortable here you know i don't that's the you know these these are the the questions Questions. yeah Yeah. they are important but look you're doing great work sheila i hope all your uh your listeners do um enjoy and can see what you're doing you're doing you're doing good work no but look (laughs) well well look thank thank you but i think uh, i'm very grateful to you for for being open to having this conversation because i i i appreciate that you were apprehensive and 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 not knowing what i was going to ask or what direction i was going to go but i think as i said to you my when i when i introduce a guest i say that i i hope these conversations will inspire challenge comfort or simply entertain and if this is a conversation that perhaps challenges how we think because it's challenging my own thoughts or what Mm. i believed was my own thinking or my own feelings and situations i think that's healthy because i think to grow to evolve to be a better person in our lives and 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 for the greater community in which we live we sometimes need and oftentimes need to be challenged on what we think because keeping an open mind being open to hearing people and having compassion is i think vital for our own well-being um and those around us and i don't say it in some airy fairy way i truly believe what i'm saying here so i'm very grateful to you because i think conversations like this need to be had i think conversations like this need to be listened to and more important than that i think we need to take the knowledge that we hear uh, examine our lives and put it into action. So, look, yeah. I just want to before before we wrap up, I want to talk about self care. I want to talk about the fact that your Instagram page I've always loved because we. I think there's a lot of connection between me and you. And I think um, <laughs> what, when I check into your stories, at times it's just a reminder to take a breath. And you do mm. these beautiful Insta stories where you go breathe in. Breathe out. And I'm just going, thank you, Nadine. I think the reason why I put on my Instagram the breathe in, breathe out is because I find social media can be just a clutter of hot mess. A lot of posts are uh, promote negativity, insecurities, um, make us feel enough or too small, not enough, sorry, or too small, or, Mm. you know, that we haven't done this thing that we should have done. Um, like I hated the beginning of the pandemic and everyone was like, I'm learning how to bake bread. I'm learning how to do this. I'm learning how to do that. I can speak Japanese. I was like, oh, would you get over yourself? <laughs> I'm just here trying to survive. I'm just yes. trying to get through the day. I'm just trying to make sense of the madness. So um, I recognize that social media um, can be really helpful and can be so toxic. 
So what I realized that when I'd be looking through it, I'd be like, oh, oh, oh. And then I found like I found like my heart was racing faster. <laughs> and I was like, um, I'm not a big I haven't I'm not a great meditator, but I am good at just stopping and breathing for a moment. So I thought, Nads, you put up on your Instagram, just help people to remind remind them to breathe. That alone is so helpful. That chance to reset. Yeah, just to reset your mind. And then I as soon as I breathe. Um, think about my breath then I sort of you know I do that kind of breathe breathe in hope breathe in opportunity you know exhale fears exhale doubt exhale worries breathe in hope <laughs> breathe in opportunity you know what I mean it's this kind of thing I love it. breathe yes. in love and it's a great reminder I think I just do it to be honest I do it to remind myself um, and to create calm for myself and it helps remind me every morning if I don't have that calm time in the morning oh not good are you really? not productive yeah. Yeah. you fall mm. into this rubbish oh I should have done that maybe that oh gosh look at them they're this you fall into that comparison or you know it triggers insecurities now lucky for me I've worked a lot on myself so it, it probably doesn't affect me as much as other people that I've spoken to that might have certain disorders or experience like terrible really serious things because of comparison or or these type of things but um it sort of just resets me and helps me have a productive day finally the oh. new addition to the fa family uh is is in in itself i'm not i'm saying itself because i don't know whether it's a boy or a girl <laughs> georgie <laughs> gosh yeah georgie's the latest cockatiel he's eight weeks old um, today okay oh gosh i said he i'm not sure if it's a he <laughs> this is the thing he's my non-binary bird i don't know so that's something and the uh, reason why you called him a, a call uh, georgie a non-binary bird is because it's only the last year i would say i have personally learned to understand what it means to be non-binary and, mm. you know, there's a whole, again, another level of learning and understanding that's taking place. So I purposely said, I'm going to call Georgie non-binary because we, we generally don't know what sex the bird is. We actually don't know that. Um, so I said, oh, it would be non-binary then. And it's trying to give me a chance to get used to saying they and them using the right pronouns to um, when talking about Georgie. So in a small, silly way, I'm educating myself on what a pronoun is um, because like you, if I could be interviewing someone or speaking to somebody, the world is so big and, um, and changing these days. Now I've never had a pet. I've never had, not even a cat, not a goldfish. My mom was just like, no, 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 never. No, no. So <laughs> obviously during this pandemic, I spent my I spent a lot of time in the house, a lot of time with Minnie, seen walking, hanging out with Minnie, and her son has an aviary with loads of birds. So ah. um, he, he he sort of groomed Georgie for me and uh, brought Georgie in, seven weeks old, and it's 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 actually strangely <laughs> great thing to do to switch off. Like when I'm finished with you now, I'm gonna go get some lettuce <laughs> out the fridge. Get Georgie out, open up the cage, which I hate the cage, by the way. Put my hand in and eventually he'll stand on my finger and then he'll eat the lettuce from me and it's the most <laughs> cutest thing. I'm like, oh, the world is terrible, but Georgie is enjoying lettuce. It's this weird switch off. So, um, yep, Georgie is in the house, a non-binary bird, 94-year-old <laughs> mini, and I don't know, Black Nadine. <laughs> I love it. You are you are ageless. You are genderless. It's all about. I, I just you know what? It's great, and You've I got think all the going on in this house. All the isms, but you know what? Mm -hmm. You are a, a ray of of true sunshine, <laughs> and thank you for shining a light Aww. on 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 the topic of race and 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 white privilege, and and maybe for those listening, and I know for me listening to you right now, I've taken so much from this conversation. Have you use your? That's what I say. Use your white privilege well. That like you know you can use it in a, it, you can use it for power. Remember that lovely story, um the um uh, the good story of white privilege, um, uh Marilyn Monroe and Ella Fitzgerald. Oh, 
that's Wonderful. a lovely story you know there can be loads of lovely stories like that so apparently because Ella Fitzgerald was black and she was a big woman obviously the voice of an angel most beautiful voice of her time um uh she wanted to get booked to play at a club I think the Monaco I'll have to look it up and they wouldn't hire her they're like no you don't fit our style you're black you're big forget it Marilyn Monroe being a fan and obviously the world was obsessed with her she said okay if you book Ella I'll come to your club and I'll sit on the front row everyone will be talking about it and she did like every night for like a couple of weeks and that's her using her white privilege for good yeah she recognised she was like okay they won't have Ella in Ella's amazing I'm just going to tell them you know and she probably was like but don't you want I just imagine Marilyn going don't you want me to be in your club every night on the front row? I could just imagine her like working, working her her sassiness. Oh. I could just imagine Marilyn. And there's and Ella wrote a letter about it, and she just said Marilyn was an amazing woman ahead of her time, clearly ahead of her time. Use your white privilege. Be the Marilyn. Be the, be the Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nadine, thank you, love, so much for this. My pleasure. I- I'm so thankful to Nadine for giving her time and her energy so generously. And I hope this conversation has made you think and ask questions of yourself. It certainly has for me. Look, none of us are perfect, or have all the answers, but a willingness to do better in our lives will make a difference. Please share this episode with friends or family if you enjoyed it. And if you can, please take a moment to rate, review and hit subscribe, as it really does help to spread word about these conversations. Thank you so much for listening. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.